For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front wearing the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, how have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Dan. Um, looking forward to getting in this, into this one and discussing everything FA Cup related. Fantastic. Right, James is off on a scouting trip this week, which means Holly has kept her place in the first team squad. So Holes, how have you been this past week? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. It's great to get some more minutes under my belt. So thanks for having me on again. Not a problem. And also, last but not least, is the returning Chris, who you may know on Twitter as Spurs Logic. Chris, I believe this is your hat-trick ball. So how have you been these last few months? <laughs> I think it is. Yes, thank you very much for having me back on. Um, yeah, very good, actually. Thank you. Um, trying to get through lockdown as the rest of us are. But yeah, very good. Top man. Right, before we chat all things Wickham on Monday night, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect that game and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come On You Spurs app where the podcast is usually available each and every Tuesday morning. But obviously it's Tuesday tonight, so you'll get it on Wednesday morning. You can, of course, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at COIS underscore COM. We're on all the major audio platforms, that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. Again, someone was kind enough to leave a five-star review on Apple, so we like those. And whoever it was, get in touch with me. I just want to say thanks. And that's it really for the admin and the social media bits, because we're going to get down to business. And that business sees us once again up for the cup. And although the scoreline was rather emphatic in the end, it didn't really feel like a performance that deserved a 4-1 win. So, Cole, looking at the feedback, I think that's fair to say it was a real Marmite performance. So, did you love it or did you hate it? I think it was one of them typical Spurs performances, wasn't it, wasn't it, Dan? Where, you know, it, it wasn't easy. You kind of was, was on edge for a little while. Um, and then, thankfully, the job got done. So... I think, yeah, you know, the final result is all that matters. But I think, you know, Spurs did what they normally did to us and, and didn't make the watching the easiest watch it could ever be. So, Holes, if you looked at the number of chances that we created, I think four goals is a decent return. I think because we've created so many that getting four is probably the norm. However, is it a good thing that we create loads of chances but missed or frustrating that we create a load of chances and missed a boatload of them? So where do you stand in terms of attack? It's a mixture of feelings. I think it was quite nice to be able to see a lot of combination play at times and actually players drive at um, the opposition, which I think sometimes is something we lack. But yeah, it was so frustrating to think, oh, this is this is a good chance and then it goes a miss again. Or we hit the crossbar. I think we hit the crossbar twice in the whole game. So all in all, I was very frustrated. But like we've already touched on, we just got the, the, the deal done. So that's all that matters. Absolutely. So, Chris, we'll get to the ins and outs of the game in a moment. But when you look at the lineup that started, in your opinion, is that one that should be dealing with lowly championship opposition? You know, did we make life tougher than it needed to be? Well, I think we've got quite an important game coming up, of course. So that did affect the lineup. But I think when you look at the players that were on the, were on the field, as you say, at the start of the game, I don't think anyone really was that worried. I think people were quite confident this was going to be, you know, an easy an easy stroll to four or five nil up maybe at half time, bring on some, some of the rotated players from the first team, just to get some legs uh, minutes in their legs and yeah, just rotate the squad really. So I personally wasn't worried when I saw the lineup, but you know, we've got a lot of quality in the squad. So you would hope that they had enough to overcome a team that are at the bottom of the championship. Carl, at the same time, are we being a bit too harsh in terms of player performance? Because when we account for the magic of the cup and all that, you only have to look at the scrape that Man City got themselves in two nights before to say that ties of this silk are never easy. And, you know, given that we went behind, we're through, yes, we missed, missed a boatload of chances. Is it just getting into the fifth round, which is the most important thing? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, these ties are never easy, are they? You know, Wickham, that, that was their cup final, isn't it? They're their biggest game that they're playing. So, you know, you've you've got that added bonus that all their players are ultimately up for it and they'll put them, you know, run through a brick wall that night to try and get something. Um, I think also you have the other problem you have from a Spurs point of view is you're playing lots of players who are lacking minutes ultimately, aren't you? Um, players who are trying to find their form, get some minutes under their belt. 
some players coming back from injuries. Um, so I don't think you're ever going to get the most fluid performance in that situation because of the changes. Um, and obviously it showed, you know, if we look through the game and you look at some of those chances, you are looking at players who ultimately are just trying to find their feet, a bit rusty. Um, you know, if on another day, if they've played a few more matches, might take some of those chances. And we do have to sort of say, unfortunately, when we see these sort of games, it does kind of show you, unfortunately for us, the lack, if you like, of what I'd call real talent that we have outside of potentially the starting eleven and a few of the players, you know, the likes of Mora, who at times can look electrifying and brilliant, but, you know, the ultimately the consistency isn't there. And I think, you know, you put all those things together and that's what you see in that performance last night. But I think we all felt confident that we could get the job done. And, you know, you've got to take advantage of having these so-called easier fixtures when you do get them against lower league sides. And with the season we've got coming up, it's good to be able to give some of the big guns a rest, even if it was only for 45 minutes or so. Holly, when you think about games such as this, being the FA Cup, you know, you can take the League Cup, Europa League, there's always that change of personnel en masse from the Premier League team to what we see in midweek on Thursdays, what have you. So is it always a sense that the Thursday or the midweek team, as we'll label them, that's always a job audition, sorry, a job audition of sorts in the sense that you know, if they have a good game, it's, well, they should do really because they're against lesser opposition, so it's what you expect. And if they don't have a good game, it's, oh, well, because they're in that midweek team. So they almost can't win whatever scenario they're put in. No, true, but I also think that's a good excuse. I know we should never have excuses for players, but like Carl touched on, they're players that haven't had many minutes in recent weeks, and for them it's just another run-out. And if they can prove something, like every player should be able to prove something if they've been slotted into that team. I think it's a win-win for both parties. Like They either have a bad game and you put it down because they haven't had many minutes or they have a good game and it's, right, OK, we're competition for, for places in that team against whoever we may play in the Premier League next. And I think it's just something that comes with the job. If you say dropped from the Premier League squad and you fill into that cup squad, you've still got a job to do. So I think it's... Wherever you play on this team at the moment, you've got to be on your A game. Now, Chris, as we sort of referenced, it was far from easy last night. But in terms of the script writers, it was always the perfect script for the neutral as Wickham took the lead. Now, I'm not going, going to attempt to name their goal scorer because I'll only fail. So apologies to whoever scored. But what I'd like to focus on is the multitude of errors in the build-up to their goal. Because I think it would be unfair to blame one defender. So I'd like you to blame two or three, please. Away you go. <laughs> oh, what a job. Um, well, first of all, I didn't know if it was even a Wickham throw to begin with, so I'm going to blame the referee if I can as well. Yeah, that that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I mean, when you break it down and, and you know watch it over again, it's just it is a catalogue of errors to use a cliche. Like um, it. Yeah, so it, it, I think the ball bounces in front of Ben Davies and it goes straight over his head. Then you've got Older Virold getting way, way too tight to a, a very kind of a Dharma Traore-esque player up front. He was, he was incredibly strong and, and quick and, and decisive in the key areas. He rolls in really simply. The ball comes across and, and Davinson Sanchez sort of shakes a leg at it and doesn't really deal with it. And then poor old Tanganga, who's, you know, Jose has come out and said he's a fullback, but he was almost tucked in as if he was playing centre-half when, when the ball came out to the Wickham striker. And he's, he's just not close enough. And then I just felt sorry for Joe Hart because he, he very nearly kind of saves it and saved the day, but it just wasn't to be. But yeah, not not our best, not our best moment defensively. And like you say, these these are these are top quality players. When you look at Older Virold, you know, he's been a key player for us this year and, and he's starting to make the kind of mistakes where you look at him now and think, you know, is he is he over the hill? Is 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 it time to to get another replacement in? You know, Dyer is the first choice centre back now. To Sanchez, I'd, yeah, I don't know what to say about Davinson Sanchez, but yeah, um, I'm digressing. But the move was was not good, but it did give Wickham their kind of 50 minutes of fame, and I think it did kind of wake the the team up and and push them on to what was ultimately a decent performance. Now, Cole Tanganga at right back, a little bit of a surprise, but you can he can play there, so it's not the biggest surprise, but. Do you think he's really cut out for that position in the sense that if you look at his kind of build? And the way he's just his frame and all that—is he really akin to being a right back? Is he more comfortable playing inside? 
Yeah, I think we're all hoping, aren't we? And and the hope was when he come on the scene that we potentially had the next Ledley King on our hands and a long-term successor to one of the centre-back places. Um, it does seem that obviously he's, he's probably got more run-outs playing as a right-back. I suppose he probably didn't help himself when I think one of his first games was um, in an FA Cup tie at our ground and he kind of you know played it right back in that game and had a brilliant game man and a match performance um so you can imagine the manager thinks well actually hold on i, I may have found an, a new right back here given the fact we know that is a problem area for us but i, I do believe i think his future lies at center back and obviously he may he may need to come to a point where, you know, a little bit what we probably think has held Dyer's career back over the years. You don't want to be seen as a man that can play anywhere across the back line or or even in the middle, potentially. He needs to actually just kind of say if he wants to be a centre back, he actually needs to maybe come out and say, look, this is where I want to play. And I think that's where we'll see the best of him. But he may have to just bide his time a little bit before he gets that run out there. Um, but yes, I, I don't think he's got the pace, I think, to play there. Um, I think we saw a couple of opportunities last night where, you know, the ball goes out wide, but he just doesn't have the pace to get, you know, overlap his man and give that option or potentially cause the problems. He also, you know, on the ball, I don't think he's a sort who's that comfortable to sort of dribble with the ball. Um, so, yeah, I think he's doing a job there. And again, in a game like last night, you probably get away with that. But you wouldn't want to see him there this weekend against Liverpool because you'd feel a you know a winger of someone like Mane's ability or Salah would probably be able to kind of have the run on him and probably use that to take advantage of us. So I see his future more as a centre back, but I think he'll just have to wait a little while before he gets that sort of nod to play there. Because well, if you look at his build, he doesn't offer you the surge that surge would go forward. So. I guess if you were to play right back, it's then a trade-off between being defensive and then also the potential of being an auxiliary midfielder at times, like Aurier is. Yeah, exactly. And I think it is partly because, like Carl said, he had a he had a good game that one time. And I think, like we said, I think for me, right back, and I think everyone right back is a, is a problem area, not just because the fact that Sergio was quite poor uh, at, the la- at the start of the last season, but the fact that now Doherty, I think, is the person that's more troublesome than Serge, which sometimes pains me to say. But regardless, I think, I don't know whether Tanganga would get in front of Serge now. I think he played Tanganga last night just because of rotation, just to give those other two some some rest. Because against Liverpool, who knows what's going to happen when those um, Mane comes bombing down the side or Salah. You never know what's going to happen with those two. So in order to have two right backs at the weekend, I think could be... A crucial thing on Thursday but regardless yeah I think Tanganga was just filling a place last night I like I said I think he'd probably be better as a centre-back but we'll just have to go and see what Jose decides in the future. Okay and Holly staying with you last week we mentioned centre-backs and we're quite well stocked to the point where Sanchez is probably fifth choice now there's been rumours that he might go in and that might be this week but probably not so let's assume he goes in the summer would you need another centre-back? Could Tanganga just go up the list a bit more? You know, Is there real need for a replacement at that kind of level? Possibly not, but then there's this whole thing about Toby and whether he's going to be going soon because his legs are going. So it's a tough one. Maybe we wait to the summer to get someone in to replace Toby and then Tanganga is going to be that player that's going to be fighting for that next centre-back role with Dyer. Who knows? But I still think centre-back is still a, a problem area as well. Okay then, Chris, let's stay on that theme. So let's assume that next season we've got Rodon, Dyer, Tanganga, Sanchez and maybe Toby go as well. Are you asking for one centre-back or two? Mm, that's a tough question. I, I, I don't... It's a tricky one with Toby because I still think he's, he's mentally the, the best defender we have in terms of his awareness and his, you know, his ability to actually defend and, and get his body in the right places. Tanganga is at the other end of the scale. I mean, physically, he's, he's great. He's quick. He's strong. He just doesn't quite have the experience yet. Um, Rodon seems to be the kind of middle ground. He's obviously played for Swansea in the Championship and played very well. I think he would be a candidate to push forward alongside Dyer if, if Alderweireld and uh, Sanchez do go. But I, 
I do think Jose will want uh, at least one. I think he'll be looking for two. But um, that does push Tanganga further down the pecking order and, and you know, maybe a loan to a, to, a, to a team further down the Premier League or something like that could work for him. Um, I think he needs games if he's going to start pushing you know, the likes of Eric Dyer for a first-team spot. Well, that's going to be the next point to Carl because if you look at Oliver Skip doing bits for Norwich on loan, is that the kind of view that Tanganga is going to need to take next season? Yeah, I think so. You know, it could be the right route because, as we're saying, you know, I, I don't think he's he's possibly going to jump in there next next season even. So, you know, if we take Skip for example, you know, I, I was someone who was very, you know, has been very critical of. Pochettino and what he kind of, in my opinion, held back some of these young players by just keeping them in and around the squad rather than putting them out to loan a little bit earlier and being able to develop, you know, Carl Walker-Peters, Skip, you know, players like that. Um, and we're now seeing, aren't we, that, you know, Skip has gone on loan, having a great season so far for Norwich. And you kind of get the impression that if he sees this season out plan with the form he's doing, you can see him coming back next season and very much being in with a shout of being in and around that first team most weeks. And I think Tanganga may just have to kind of take that view and lead, you know, see that example and think, okay, maybe that's something I can do. Go down, you know, even if it's dropped to the championship, but play for one of the sides that ultimately you think are going to come up. Or, as Chris just said there, you know, it may be that you pick a side who've maybe just come up going to have a season in the Premier League, but you say, well, listen, hey, look, you take him on loan. He's going to be one of your starting centre-backs. He'll develop, he'll learn in that league, and hopefully he can come back and kick on the way that we're hoping Skip's going to after this season. So I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a loan, um, and, and it might just be that that way he gets that development, and then you know the season after next he can come back and really start trying to fight for a place in that first team on a regular basis. So, Holly, much has been made of Deli Alley. I think we sort of tread all the paths that we can at the moment. There's no real discussion unless he leaves. But if he does leave in some capacity, be that loan or permanent before the end of the month, would you then call back Oliver Skip? Because arguably then the balance of the midfield is even better. Yeah, but I'd also like to see him see out his loan. I okay. say he's playing so well, just kind of leave him there till the end of it, personally. I think that's probably the best scenario for, for Tottenham, I think, in the long run and for him personally. That's fair enough. OK, let's go back to the game, actually, because we sort of diverted a little bit. But, Chris, obviously going behind, as you said, sparks us into life. We had a couple of skirmishes against the woodwork and you thought, oh, God, it's going to be one of those nights, really. However, the half-time team talk would have changed for the better once Gareth Bale scored. So, what did you make of his overall performance? Yes, he scored one, but guilty of missing quite a few. Yeah, I, th I think it was a promising performance. I think, as you say, he, he missed a couple where you thought, wow, you know, vintage Gareth Bale there. He'd probably be sat on a hat-trick already. Um, there were a couple of moments where he, he was driving in from the from the right-hand side onto his left foot. And, and, you know, as you say, having strikes on goal and you're thinking, here we go, he's, he's got his confidence back. He, he did eventually put the ball in the net, as you say, but from about a yard out with a... A very gentle touch, but I think that was probably the easiest chance of the lot because he, you know, he was getting in the right areas. I think with Bale, he's because he's been out for so long. He's he's had such a rocky ride at Real Madrid and in and out of the team, and you know, fitness issues, that kind of thing. He's the kind of player I think needs to be playing week in, week out, and it, it just hasn't quite got himself into a position where he can get ahead of Bergwijn in the lineup. Um, whether that's down to, you know, his defensive uh, work rate, which has obviously been questioned lately, I don't know. But he, I think he's getting to the point now where if he can stay fit, keep kind of knocking on the door with maybe some cameo appearances as we want to see from him with, a, you know, a goal here or there, as he did against Brighton, which seems like an eternity ago now. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I think he, I think he's getting close now to, to knocking on the door for the first team. Okay then, Chris, I'll stay with you because we've got a listener's question and it's okay. on the topic of Gareth Bale. It's from Daniel Gadolin and he asks, do you think Bale could be better utilised as a central striker instead? If we take into account his pace is all but gone from what we saw years ago with Mycon and all that, could he follow in the boots of Cristiano Ronaldo and just be that central focal point for Spurs? Uh, I don't think so, personally. I, I don't think Bale's the right kind of build for a player to be a striker I think I think he's he's he, he he operates best bouncing off other players you know the quick one twos the bursts of pace which he was kind of famous for 
he has kind of lost that now. But I think if you do, if you were just to stick him up front with Harry Kane and say, you know, good luck to you, I, d- I don't think it would particularly work out because I don't think it plays to his strengths. He's also a lot more one-footed than I remember him being. I thought he had a bit more of a right foot about him, but uh, he's very one-footed. So I think sticking him on the right and saying to him, look, just drift inside, get into those pockets off the front man, whether that's Kane or Son, whoever it might be. And then just, you know, find the corner when you when you get that opportunity. I think he's still got that in his locker. But I wouldn't I wouldn't start him up front, no. Cole, if you were though, would more of a threat be to the defence actually whipping balls into the box? Because if you remember his goal against Brighton, he hasn't half got a set of neck muscles on him when he can put them to use. Yeah, the, the only other place I think you could potentially look to play him might be behind Kane. Um if you were looking for a kind of more creative player, um just to sit behind Kane and possibly roam around the pitch. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't think, you know, I think one of the biggest problem that Bauer's going to have in this side, and I think it's probably the one thing that's held him back so far, is Jose doesn't really want any passengers in his team. Um, so, it, you know, if we take Liverpool, for example, which we'll come on to later, I don't think Jose is going to take the chance that he could have a player in the team who's not prepared to track back, put the effort in. Um, and almost he'd be like, I'll build the team around you. You just wander around, do what you like. You know, a bit like George Graham when he was here with Ginola. You know, you knew the talent was there, but he didn't want someone in his team that he thought he was going to carry most weeks just for the fact that, yes, going forward, he might offer you a little something um, throughout a game. And I think that's going to obviously be Bauer's problem. Unless he can show he's got the fitness to kind of trap back in that for the best part of 90 minutes, I think he'll struggle to get regular game time. But if you're looking for other positions, I think, as Chris said, you know, you know, you do realise when you watch him again how how kind of left footed he is. And I think there was an opportunity he could have crossed with his right foot, but didn't try to outside of the left foot when it was obvious a right foot cross was the better option. Um, but I'd potentially think you could, you know, in a game like last night, you could put him behind the front man and say, OK, you just want you to roam around the pitch get on the ball with your quality, look for dangerous passes, whip some in, and potentially you're in prime positions if you get the ball in and around the box to to rifle off and let go of some shots um, because we know he's got that in his locker. Um, so, uh, you know, we might start seeing more of him. You know, last night was quite promising because we saw some surging runs. We saw him getting in into positions that I don't think we've seen him getting into before. We just need to see now if he can kind of step that up against, you know, Premier League sides. And if he can, then the second half of the season, we could see a little bit more of him in certain games. Holly, do you think Bale's happy with his current role at Spurs? Let's say he goes back to Real Madrid in the summer. Can he have many regrets? Will he have any regrets if that is the case? I think the way you see him smile on the bench, whether he's not playing or not, I think... For me, he's always got in the back of his head this Euro thing come the end of the season. And I think for him just to get cameo appearances at the moment, I think if you look at it from one perspective, I think he's fine, he's happy. But I think if he's really going to look at it and be like, I really gave my all at Spurs in this period, I, I wouldn't be too happy with myself if I was playing the way Bale was playing. But you can see that he's playing with a smile on his face and hopefully after the chances, or the endless chances he had, last night hopefully that will spur him on to just take this loan deal with a bit more of a grasp of the fist I think at the moment he's just kind of coasting along because he's having a good time he's playing football again and hopefully this game last night will ignite a spark in him to just try and push on that little bit harder yes fingers crossed that is the case so Cole it's fair to say that we kicked on in the game because of the cavalry now obviously we've all agreed earlier that the main thing is just getting into the fifth round, which is done. But are you annoyed that we had to call on the big guns, especially with Liverpool on Thursday's horizon? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'm more annoyed at the fact that we had to play that game last night rather than at the weekend because it just makes no sense at all that you've got a game on Thursday and you're being asked to play on the Monday. Um, so that, for me, is crazy scheduling. Um, but yes, I, I'd imagine that if you were Jose you would have liked to have known you had that game in the bag um, before you had to bring on those big guns, given we've got such an important Premier League game uh, coming up this week. Um, But, you know, I guess it's that age-old question, isn't it? Do you start those players and get the game won and then bring them off after, say, 50 minutes or so? 
or do you, you know, do you keep them on the bench in the fear that should you feel you need to bring them on, you can. I think luckily for us, you know, we've managed to bring them on. They, you know, Son and Kane, I thought, played very well in Hoiberg when they did come on. Um, and you would say they changed the game. So we're through. And I think at the moment, when you look at the way that, or what we're hoping to achieve this season, I think that's the key objective. Um, you know, you'd like to think they'll still be okay and fresh for Thursday. Yeah, of course. And I guess if we are to take a positive from this is that their contribution was not a waste. I mean, you'd be absolutely seething if the likes of Kane and Son came on and then we were dumped out of the cup after that also. So I think let's call it a necessary evil, if nothing more. But Tolly, with that said, it was actually one of the, of the supporting cast which put us ahead as Harry Winks used his left peg for a change from the edge of the box. So a well-taken goal, no doubt about that. But again, what did you make of his performance? Because it also was a Marmite one in terms that some people loved it on social media and the other half hated it. I mean, it's the first time that I actually said I, I can't stand him anymore. It's the first <laughs> time I've ever tweeted. And then moments later, he goes and scores and mugs me off. So Good work, Carl. Good work. I know. I think I might start jinxing it more often. So, But yeah, I, I was so happy that he actually managed to get one because I think his performance up until that point was pretty dire. I'm not going to lie. I think it's like passing accuracy was so bad. There was times when you think to yourself, just hold on to it for a couple more seconds, look up, then pay your pass. There was too many times when he decided just to flip the thing. And that really frustrated me. But the only positive that I saw throughout the game was the fact that he actually drove with the ball at some aspects, which was quite nice. I think it was early in the first half that he played a lovely ball through to Lamela. Lamela had a shot, had a shot but it was blocked again. But yeah, it was. I mean, it's against Wickham, which is that fairy tale line that's like, oh, it's only Wickham. But still, the fact that even though he had a poor game, he managed to pull that one out of his locker. And, and I think it was the end of his press interview, he said that he's been practicing that in the training ground. So hopefully, more of the same of that, please. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Chris, after that goal went in, I think we all collectively just had a big sigh of relief. And that relief was eased even further, or increased further, shall we say, by the time Tangi Undumbele got his cameo. Out the way. So 22 minutes on the pitch and he made things look absolutely effortless while on there. So I don't think you can sum it up much better than his fantastic second goal, can you? No, it was a brilliant sort of 15, 20 minute cameo, as you say. And, and it just was a showcase of how far he's come. You, you would have thought, you know, if this game had been a year ago, he would have been probably one of the starters. He might have been ambling around the pitch looking a bit disinterested and, and probably hauled off at half time or something like that. But he was called upon as one of the big guns. He came on and, and just ran the game, just controlled the ball, was exactly what we needed just to kind of see the game out. Played a couple of really sort of sensational passes. The one in particular before Winks scored um, over to Harry Kane, where, where Kane obviously had a shot and the keeper spilled it. And just that pass was was fantastic. So the second goal was was very nice. And I don't know whether it was a little bit kind of arrogant just to start throwing in the skills little maybe a little bit disrespectful but I think the game was won by that point so you know if he wants to do that I'm more than happy to watch well yeah I don't think it was how you say you know arrogant or anything I think it was just a well taken goal and I think you know if we're paying 65 million pound for a player what have you I think we deserve to see things like that regardless of the opposition but Cole I saw you inciting a small riot on social media this morning regarding Ndombele so would you like to expand on that for those listeners who have not got caught up in the debate yeah I kind of dropped out of that after the <laughs> tweet and I think a few a few people carried on their argument and probably still going right now oh so you just lit um, the flame then did you like I, I did yeah I kind of lit the flame and then run Dan you know <laughs> I was a bit of a wimp in that one um the point I was making was you know after the game we've seen lots of tweets of people saying where's all the Ndombele haters now and everything like that and I found it kind of a little bit funny because, you know, it, after last season, anybody who was still confident that, no, nah, this guy's a baller, you know, he's going to be the best thing you've ever seen, was a little bit like, it's very easy now with hindsight after a few good performances and it looks like the guy is about to explode to now sort of be trying to say like, yeah, we knew it all along, you know, we just knew you had to just be patient. After last season, you know, I, I think we all, no one I think was questioning the ability that the guy could have. You know, we saw it and we, you know, every week we would say, you can see there's a real player in there. But I don't think it's, you know, unfair to say when you, you know, after that first season, you were seeing a guy that 
you know, I've seen Sunday league footballers get around the pitch quicker and, and fresher than than him. You know, any little bump he seemed to have with somebody, you know, shoulder to shoulder, he was on the floor and, you know, five minutes to pick himself up and get going again. And you were thinking he looks broken. Um, the desire didn't look there. Jose did, clearly didn't fancy him. And in a couple of interviews, threw him under the bus. So, you know, it we were sitting there thinking, yes, we think there's a player here. But the reality is, are we seeing someone who's got the desire to succeed? Is he going to get the chance to succeed? Um, and, you know, there was the view, you know, in the summer, would you have, would you potentially have got rid of him? And, you know, not many people, you know, you wouldn't have been wrong to think if you could recoup that money, possibly, maybe you would, because it doesn't look the guy's got it. Thankfully, we do look like we're about to see a guy who does look like he could be about to explode. Um, and it, he's found his feet, whether he's settled properly now or something, you know, something's just clipped. And he does look like we've got this player on our hands that's about to do bits. And I think we're all grateful for that. I just found it funny that there just seemed to be so many accounts and so many people tweeting, where are all you and Mbele haters, when it was a little bit like, come on, Anyone who still felt confident about the guy after that first season, I think it was a little bit, maybe a little bit BS um, and, and easy to say now that we're seeing some performances. But you do ha- we will do have to say as well, it has wholly been a couple of, you know, what we call real standout performances up to now. Um, so I think, you know, to try and say we've got the best midfielder in the world and one that's going to run things, I think we just need to be patient and just hope that that does come true and that for the rest of the season, he's putting the sort of performances in that he has in the last few games. Oh, absolutely. And like you say, if someone had offered you £65 million in the summer, it would have been far too tempting to go, do you know what, let's just break even, ship him out. And we'll go and get someone else and let's call it a failed experiment. However, we stood to the test of time and sort of went with Ndombele and we are reaping the rewards, albeit smaller than people will think. So yes, Carl, I think you do have to temper it slightly by saying yes, like we've seen good things and that's great. You know, the goal last night, the goal against Sheffield United, but in a microcosm, that's still not a massive chunk of investment of that 65 million. Now you want to see trophy winning performances. You want to see cup finals being taken by the scruff of the neck and him absolutely bossing it. Those things can happen this season. So, you know, if it gets better and the upward curve, you know, flies up the graph and all that, then we'll be laughing for years on end. And I think it will be testament to keeping the faith. But I think we're not quite there yet. Now, Holly, a player who is always creating debate is Lucas Mora. And I've got a stat for you. Here it is. He's been involved in 10 goals in 12 FA Cup starts, which is four goals and six assists. That's more than any other Spurs player since Mora made his cup debut in 2018. Now, does that mean he loves the cup or he's just stat padding against the likes of Rochdale and Marine? I mean, Lucas Mora and cups, it's a vibe. I mean, the thing is, I think you need players like that sometimes. And the fact that, okay, he does like to run into players and not pass the ball off. And you're thinking to yourself, all you've got to do, mate, is look up and release it early. And sometimes he just doesn't do that. But if he can manage to be that player on the pitch in those cup games, and it means we don't have to play another player that we could use in the Premier League, I think that's I'm all for it. Because at the moment, we haven't had the luxury of having a squad depth like we've got. And I think we've just got to be like, OK, Lucas Moore can be that type of player that's really annoying to watch. But if he can manage to do it in a cup, like, say, against the Rochdales, who cares? If it's going to get us to a cup final, so be it. Well, of course, everyone's got to play their part on the road to Wembley. And we hope the road to Wembley continues next month. Because, Chris... With the fifth round draw being made straight after the fourth round draw, we already knew the potential opponent. And then by kickoff, we knew it for definite because Everton beat Sheffield Wednesday. So how confident are you that revenge from the opening Sunday of the season will be dished out at Goodison Park? Well, yeah, I think you'd like to think it would be because we were pretty dire in that first game at our place against Everton. So it would be perfect kind of um, demonstration of how far this team has come in terms of individual performances. I think... Um, obviously, Delhi paid a very heavy price for that game, and we haven't really seen him since. But I think there's a there should be a lot of motivation there to kind of set the record straight. You've got players like Ndombele, uh, obviously Harry Kane and Son, and banging form. And yeah, we're looking a little. We, I think we're on, we're hopefully going to start a good run now. We've got obviously a big game coming up, but the, the games are going to come thick and fast. So by the time that that Everton match comes around, I'd like to think we've got some hopefully some positive momentum behind us. 
Well, of course, Scheuberg had a stinker against Everton and everyone thought, oh, God, what have we bought here? So if he has a good game against Everton in a week or so's time, hopefully, you know, that might turn the screw and get us into the sixth round. Of course, though, the football's almost never-ending at the moment. It just doesn't stop. And Thursday sees us go up against more Merseyside opposition as Liverpool come to town. And Carl, do we simply have to stop going on about top to bloody Tottenham? Because surely there's no better <laughs> time to play them. Yeah, what could go wrong, Dan? You know, they haven't scored in ages, haven't won a game in ages. I mean, you know, what we, we've never been in this position before, have we? Um, but no, I do agree with you. You know, I think we do have to go into this one with some confidence because we should be sitting there saying, well, look, listen, this is a side that isn't clicking. This is a side that's missing some key players. And, um, you know, we nearly went to Anfield and got a point and, you know, you could argue we could have come away with all three. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be feeling confident saying, listen, we're on our own patch. Um, you know, we've got players, key players that are in good form. Um, we, about time, we stuck one over this lot um, and, and kind of got a little bit of revenge for some of those previous defeats we've had recently. And I don't see why we can't, you know, we've got to go in with confidence Kane and Son, we know we've got the potential to cause them problems. We've seen the way that we'll probably play. We know this is not going to be a, an exciting, pretty game from our point of view, probably. We're going to have that um, kind of Hoiberg, Sissoko sitting. You know, the wide men are going to be tasked with coming back and blocking those lanes to stop those runs. Um, but I feel we've got it about us and the way Liverpool are playing. I think we can get a result here. So, Holly, I don't know about you, but obviously... Dr Tottenham, it's sort of said in jest, isn't it? But there's such an air of negativity around that phrase that I'd rather be confident than disappointed than some fans seem to not want Spurs to lose, but they kind of see this phrase as almost as a self-fulfilling prophecy that it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, told you so. So, you know, why do people always have that kind of negative streak behind Tottenham? I think it's because of the mentality we've been under for so long. And I don't want to put fingers on, on Poch and stuff, but I think it's because... We've, we've seen a side that's come so close to getting something and then at the final hurdle, we fall again. So I think it's not necessarily trying to prove a point that, oh, here we go again, we're, we're going to lose, we're going to fail. I think it's more the fact of trying to protect ourselves from that disappointment and from that, from that what's the word, that regret of having that positivity for it then to be taken away again. And it sounds like such a sad um, thing to think about, but I generally think right now at this time that everybody's got in their head, I think everything at the moment is all hanging on their cliffhanger, whether that be football, whether that be life in general. So I think it's just a way of protecting ourselves mechanism, really. Yeah, it's a fair way to look at it, actually. I didn't really think of that in the sort of bigger picture because we all think that football's life and death, but it's paled in com into comparison at the moment. So a very good answer there, Holly. But Chris, in terms of Thursday, is the renouncing or the renouncing of um, Dr Tottenham, does that mean that Thursday is now misplaced confidence or if we don't come out on top, is it now going to feel like another one that's got away? Uh, I, I do think if we don't get a point at the very least on Thursday, it will definitely be an opportunity missed. Liverpool at the moment are, like you said, just not, not firing. They're not working well as a team. They've got real defensive issues and we just don't have that excuse. We've got no reason to... to to kind of say, oh, well, we probably won't win because, you know, Kane's out or Son's out or we're missing Hoybier because he's suspended or something silly like that. We are pretty much at full strength with the exception of Gio. Um, so for me, I'm the eternal optimist. I think we're going to go into it and, and take the game to them as we did in Am at Anfield. Um, and I'd like to think that the clock has come round full circle once again and it's our time to just, like you say, stick one to them and, and take the three points and, and drag ourselves back into this kind of title race between 10 teams, I guess it is at the moment. But um, I definitely think it's a massive opportunity and it would be a big statement if we can um, take the three points. So, Carl, would you go as far as saying that Thursday and the outcome is season-defining? Because if we win in midweek, this could be the springboard for the second half of the season that we kind of mentioned on last week's show. Is it that important? I guess given the way the season's going, I probably wouldn't say it'll be a season-defining fixture um, because 
we are seeing teams are dropping points, you know, unexpectedly. And most teams have not hit a real consistent streak. So I don't think if we lost, you'd sit there and go, right, that's it, season's done. I think the real important thing is that we need to lay a marker down at some point and say, listen, you know, we've got what it takes to be in and around this mix uh, and we can beat the big teams to get ourselves there. Um, because, again, you know, we, you, you are looking at that sort of thing that, you know, when a big challenge has come around, we've just dropped short again. So I do think we, we really want to try and lay that marker here Thursday and beat Liverpool at home to be able to say, right, we're confident and we're going for this. Um, and we've got a team that can that can beat anybody. Um, so, yeah, I don't... If, if we do lose, it won't be like, well, that's it, top four's gone, you know, forget everything. It'll just be another one of those times where you think, ah, oh, it was a real game where we can make a statement and, and make everyone sit up and think, oh, yeah, you know, this is, say, this is not the Tottenham that are going to blow it when the real pressure comes on. And I think that's the more important thing. If we can get that, if we can get a win, give ourselves that momentum and give ourselves that confidence and knowing that, you know, when when we've got big games, we can see them out, do what we need to. And hopefully that could then push you on to finish and start that second half of the season strongly. And, you know, let's face it, the season we've seen so far, you can't pick a winner out just yet. So, there's no reason why a win couldn't spark us into some sort of form that suddenly puts you up there and in a real title challenge. Well, I'll tell you what, if we're not careful, West Ham are going to win the Premier League at this rate. Have you seen their run at the moment? And if we don't beat Liverpool, we lose to them, we'll be behind them, Carl. So what do you make of that? Yeah, you know, they've gone about their business really quietly, but they've they've been putting the results together, haven't they? And they've got themselves up there. You know, they're doing well in, in the cup. So... Yeah, say you can't see them being able to continue that. But again, this could be one of them seasons like the Leicester season where a team come out of nowhere. And I do think, you know, if we can find a real consistent team, they've got a chance of putting themselves up there and being in the hunt. Um, we just need to make sure it isn't West Ham because we'd never lived that down, would we? Uh, maybe we should put a cheeky bid in for Suchek this this window because he looks like they've got a real player on their hands there who scores some important goals. But that that's kind of hope that doesn't continue for them. So, Holly, there was that perfect three-game stretch where we didn't concede a goal, picked up seven points against big opposition, that being Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal. Liverpool, again, big opposition. So are we going to hope for more of the same on Thursday? Fingers and toes are crossed. Yes. I mean, I'd quite like to. And like we said, it'll just be able to push that momentum a little bit more. So, Chris, what do you think the shape will be in terms of the uh, defence? Because we had a back three against Sheffield United. We had a back four Monday against Wickham. What are you going for? That's a tough one. I was I was tweeting about this and having a chat with this about uh, with a couple of other people on Twitter and and saying how I personally think we'll go back to a back four and we'll play that kind of uh, you know the, the front two of Hoybier and Sissoko in front of the back four and then we'll just let the front four try and wreak havoc on the break and, and during the transitions. But a lot of people were saying that they fancy a cheeky start for Joe Roden in a back five. And, we, you know, that will push Aurier and uh, Regulon further up the pitch. Might give Liverpool um, something to think about in terms of, you know, their full-backs obviously like to get forward and, and that might give them something to consider and, and drag them back a little bit. So it's a tough one. I personally think we'll match them up and, and go for three three in the midfield and, and four at the back and just try and you know, beat them in the transitional periods and make sure we can get those, take those golden chances as we didn't do in the last game. I'll stay with you then, Chris. You mentioned Joe Roden. He's in my notes. Can you see him starting as two of the four? Oh, that's a tough one as well. I, something's going on, I think, with Alderweire because I think he's 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 been left out of the team a couple of times recently where you've thought, oh, OK, I thought it would be Dyer and Alderweire again. And whether that's down to, you know, him being in the red zone for an injury or, you know, he's, he's played too many minutes lately. I don't know, but it would be, it would be a risk, I think, especially with, you know, potentially Aurier alongside Joe Roden. You'd have an inexperienced centre-back and a full-back that, you know, he doesn't really know whether he's coming or going. So personally, I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be a Jose move, let's say, but stranger things have happened. Holly, if a strange thing happens and we do go three at the back against Liverpool, there wouldn't be room for Stevie B and Reggie on the left. So what shape would you be going for? Who do you reckon gets the start in terms of shape between those two? Oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? I think 
the way that Stevie B played the last game in the Premier League, I, I kind of liked because he actually showed his defensive qualities, which we all kind of know that he has in his tracking back, which is what we've touched on, why Bale isn't getting in front of him. But also the fact that he didn't hold on to the ball for too long. He actually decided to look up, pick a pass and play it and move off into space. So for me, it's a tough one because also Regulon has that ability to get forward and put a beautiful cross in. So it's a tough one again. I think just on the premise of the fact that I think going forward and putting a killer cross in when they haven't got the likes of Van Dyke, I think is going to overrule the fact that I'd rather pick Regulon just with that killer ball into the box. It's going to be an interesting battle, Cole. Where do you think it's going to, it's going to be won and lost? I think it'll be it'll be won and lost. I think for both defensively, um, you know, both teams have got a brilliant front freeze when they're on fire, you know, and players that can win games on their own. I think both teams are possibly still susceptible defensively. You know, Liverpool without the, you know, some of those key players, I think you can get at them. And, and you know, let's face it, if anyone's going to get at them, we have got the two players, I think, that are going to be able to do that. But I still feel that defensively for us, you could see Mane and Salah um, causing us problems. You know, again, we have seen in certain games, there's still question marks over the central defenders. So I really think this game comes down to de- which defence can actually on the day hold their nerve and, and make least mistakes. Um, and I'm hoping that that will be us um, and, and we can see it out and Kane and Song can take advantage. But I don't think there's that much between the teams elsewhere, but defensively both are shaky at the moment. Well, Chris, if you look at Liverpool on Sunday, they were pretty much responsible for all the goals they conceded. There's a pretty much a mistake in each one. So is that a start of a trend or is that something that's going to be worked on over the week and all those blips are now going to be removed and they're going to be sort of smiling come Thursday? Uh, well, you'd like to think that that's something we can capitalise on. I think a lot of that was down to their selection and the fact that they played uh, Reese Williams, who I, I don't know about you guys, but I just think he's just not ready for Premier League football at the moment and I think he's being rushed in because he's obviously a natural centre-half and Liverpool are trying to power their way through with one and Fabinho basically so I I think there will still be opportunities for us 100% Um, those aren't the kind of things that can just disappear overnight I appreciate that the lineup might be a bit different once again but I'm thinking that you know you're looking at Son against Alexander-Arnold which for me is a bit of a mismatch, especially for pace. And then you're asking, um, you know, Bergwijn to drift inside and get onto Fabinho and, and support Kane and, and whoever that second centre-back is, whether that's Jordan Henderson or Joel Matip. You'd like to think there will be at least one or two kind of golden opportunities to, to get the ball in the, in the net. Well, Holly, if they do go for Jordan Henderson at the back, they might have to use the uh, template of Southampton's victory, that Spurs that is, and how they kind of pinpointed Henderson as the weak link in the back four and just lofted balls over the top all game. Is that something that you can see Spurs doing on Thursday? I think if we've got Toby in the team, just because that's his natural ability of just lofting it over the top, seeing a run of either Sonny or Kane in behind and pinpointing it, I think it could work particularly well, especially if Southampton can put it off. Why can't we? Absolutely. Right, I'll get to predictions in a moment. Cole, do you want to talk transfers? Because this has been the most boring transfer window known to man. Is there anything actually left to talk about? Yeah, I don't really think so, is there? Because I, I can't see us doing any business, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, you know, I think we we all probably agreed, didn't we, after the summer window, that we felt we had a good squad where there was cover in all positions. So I, I haven't been sitting there thinking, I think we desperately need to go out and sign someone. Um, you know, the Ericsson rumours are interesting because given the fact that he seemed unhappy there, we were crying out for a little bit of creativity. You thought I'd take a loan deal maybe and, and bring him back. You know, you just sort of think, yes, you know, if he's unhappy, could he want to come back and prove a point, get his career back on track? And if it's a loan, then you're not really losing out too much. Um, but if that's not going to happen, I don't see us feeling the need to go out and sign someone just for the sake of it right now. I think we've probably got enough cover in positions to see us through to the end of the season. Chris, would you take Christian Eriksson? Because yes, obviously, we all know what he did for Spurs, but then there was that kind of iffy 6-12 to 12 months at the end and he's been stinking out the joint in Italy. So yes, it's Christian Eriksson, but it's Christian Eriksson with an asterisk, really. 
Yeah, it definitely is. I I think if we're talking about the Ericsson of old, it's an absolute no-brainer. You were talking about you know an eighty hundred million pound player at one point that was looking at Real Madrid and Barcelona and sort of waving at them, saying, "Come get me." Um, the grass isn't always greener, as he's found out. I don't know what his motivations are right now, but if he comes back and you know he shows glimpses of what he can be, I think there's definitely a place in the team for him. Um, we kind of we we do lack a, a midfield kind of passer, if, if that's for, for lack of a better word. I think on Endembele and and Lacelso are uh, ball carriers, really. I know Endembele does have a pass in his locker, but in terms of kind of dictating the play and you know, switching the ball, left foot, right foot, free kicks as well. I know he hasn't scored in a little while, but I'd like to think he's been brushing up on those while he's in Italy. So it's a big asterisk. And I think the deal would have to be the right price, as you say. If, if it's a loan deal for six months, then that that's kind of suits all parties, I think. So Holly, does he fit in the team though? Because when you look at what we've got and Ericsson of now, again, not pulling up many trees, if at all. So... If you sort of take the Celso as someone who's flitting around the team and not really kicking down doors, and then you probably take Ericsson as kind of the same level, and that's a regression from Ericsson's point of view, how does he get into the starting eleven? I don't think he really does. I mean, are you going to take Ndombele out of the, out of the equation? I, no. I don't really think so. That's the trouble. And you could use him as rotation, but at the minute, isn't that what the Celso is? So I don't really know. Like I said, it's, it's got a big asterisk next to it. Yeah, I just think we're overstocked. I mean, ultimately, if he turns up and he is signed on loan, then I'm not going to poo-poo it. Great, it's an extra body. But at the same time, if we don't get him, I don't think it's a massive miss all the same. And I just think sometimes you just got to let players go. Like, they move on. That is football. And I think we've kind of, that ship has sailed. And I think, as Chris has alluded to, the grass hasn't been greener on the other side. But it's not up to us as a club to salvage his career. But it's done. So let's move on. And let's move on with the predictions for Thursday. So, Chris... I shall start with you. What have you got for me? Uh, I think we know, all know how this game's going to go. It's going to be Liverpool attacking constantly, us trying to hit them on the break with about 20 to 30% possession. Uh, I will go for a narrow 2-1 win to Spurs. Oh, I like it. Holly, what about yourself? Well, because I always jinx things, I think if I go for 2-1, it kind of balances it out with Chris. So hopefully 2-1 is the end goal. Are you playing the reverse ops here? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I like it. I like your style. And Carl, what have you got for me, mate? Uh, I think we're going to nick a tight 1-0. I think, you know, we're, we're going to do a kind of Man City job here and hold out tight, you know, that that's Sissoko and Hoiberg blocking those running lanes. Um, and, and Son or Kane or Nick, Nick one gets us the win. But I will say, you know, it will be hide behind the sofa time, I think, for, for some parts of this game. But 1-0. Um, okay, I'm going to bring it down a notch. I'm going to go one all because I think Liverpool they found the net now. I think they got the goal they needed, or at least found you know they're in the groove on Sunday in terms of attack. They know where the goal is, and I think they'll use that on Thursday. Unfortunately, so I don't think it's going to be doom and gloom if we get a point, as you said, Cole. Like that's just keeping the momentum going. But at the same time, it might be opportunity missed, as Chris has alluded to. So hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully you three in some form are right come Thursday and we'll find out who is on Monday. So with that said, it's time to do the admin, which is as simple as thanking my three pod squad members. Chris, thanks for joining me this evening. I hope you'll go off and frame that hat-trick ball now. Oh yes, absolutely. Going on the mountain, please. Lovely. Holly, you're giving us a real selection headache now. Thanks for your time this evening. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, no worries. I think I tried to keep my fitness up this week. I mean, it's been a bit of a tiresome day, but hopefully I did all right. Thanks again for having me on. Not a problem, mate. And Carl, thanks for running the channels and wearing the captain's armband. As always, I hope you'll be with me on Monday. Yes, mate. Really enjoyed this one. Uh, and like I say, looking forward to Monday's episode. Fantastic. And it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.